Hey guys, welcome to the Five State Revival Podcast. And today I'm going to share with you a message that I preached at my church this past Sunday, just giving practical instruction from the scriptures for how to get rid of demons. So I encourage you to listen to it and uh, to put into practice the things that God is speaking to you uh, from this message. So we'll get straight into it right after this word from our sponsors. I'm going to talk about how to get rid of demons. And uh, demons, um, that's another word for evil spirits, um, is what you could say. Um, How many of you know they're real? (laughs) They're real, and they are very active uh, in our world. In fact, I'll I'll, I'll say this. Everyone in this room has, um, whether you realize it or not, has been harassed or influenced by demons probably many, many times throughout your life. And um, Satan, you know, Jesus um, is so much more powerful than the devil. And uh, one of the things uh, Satan wants to do is he likes to stay hidden because if we don't realize that it's him, because we have so much authority through our relationship with Jesus... That once we realize it's the enemy, we can deal with it pretty quickly. But Satan likes to operate in the shadows and get you to think it's something else so you don't deal with the source of the problem, which is the, it's just him. And uh, so I want to talk today about how to get rid of demons. I remember when I was uh, really from age six, I'm 44 now, almost 45, from age six through probably around age 20, I was regularly harassed and tormented by a spirit of fear. Like it was an evil spirit that would energize fearful imaginations that actually stole my peace and caused me to just live in anxiety. And I remember one, the most common way that this would manifest is I would, um, I would always be afraid. This is such an irrational thought. I, for, when I was six years old, my parents were divorced. And I remember we moved into a new neighborhood. I was with my mom. My dad wasn't there anymore. And then um, uh, there were some, some, some murders that happened in, in the neighborhood, the new neighborhood that I lived in. And I heard about these murders. And I remember all of a sudden, I'm in a vulnerable moment. How many know the devil does not play fair? I'm a six-year-old. You know what I'm saying? I'm six years old. I'm, I'm already dealing with a little insecurity because... My home just got broken up. And then uh, all of a sudden, when I heard about those murders, I just had this thought come that I was like, somebody is like hiding somewhere, waiting to jump out and like hurt me and kill me, do something bad to me. And I remember at six years old, I would be uh, at night when I'd go to bed, I'd look in the closet, under the bed, like any possible place a person could be hiding. I would have, I was like, I couldn't. Fall have peace enough to fall asleep until I made sure that there was nobody hiding. Isn't that crazy? And of course, at my little six-year-old mind, I didn't know that this is not normal. 
<laughs> to me, it was my normal. It became my normal. And that went on. You know, that type of thing went on. When I was a teenager, I remember sometimes I'd be home alone and I'd hear a noise outside. I'm like, what? What's going on? I'd be looking out the window. Is there somebody out there? And then, I'd, uh, and then I got married. I'm a young man. I was a believer. I was following Jesus. I was in Bible college training to be a pastor. And I remember uh, Autumn would be sound asleep, just sleeping there. And I'd be laying in bed, and I'd be like, oh, man, did I lock the door? And, of course, I had already locked the door. But I'd get up out of bed because I was so tormented by the thought, like, oh, I better make sure it's locked. What if somebody tries to get in? I'd get up out of bed. I'd go, and I'd check the door and make sure it's locked. I'd go back and get in bed. And sometimes this happened, actually. I'd do that. I'd be laying in bed, and then I'd just lay there, and then I thought, did I really lock the door? Am I sure that I, and I'd actually check it multiple times sometimes. And then I'd check the door and then I'd be standing there. And I remember one night this was happening. I was like probably 20, 21. And I remember I'm I'm checking the door and I'm standing there and I'm looking out the window to see if there's anybody out there. When all of a sudden, like I have one of those grace moments. How many of you are thankful for grace moments? When God opened my eyes, and I, it was like I could see myself and what I was doing and how like irrational this was. And I was like, what am I doing? Like, I'm 20 years old. I love Jesus. I have the Holy Spirit. I'm like the man of my own house right now. And I'm, I am like being, literally, I have sleep and peace being stolen from me consistently by an irrational thought that somebody's breaking in to kill me. And I knew, all of a sudden I realized, I'm like, oh my goodness, my eyes were open and I realized this wasn't just like I'm dealing with a fearful thought. There was a demon behind it that was energizing that fearful thought. You guys following me? And I, all of a sudden I realized that and I thought, this is ridiculous. I have authority over stuff like this. This isn't God's will for my life. I'm not doing this anymore. And I remember, I, I, this, this is what you do. I get out the Bible. I'm looking up promises in the Bible that talk about God being my protector because there's tons of them in the Bible. My favorite one was Psalm 91. I'd just look up Psalm 91, and I'd read it, and then I, when I'd feel the fearful thought, I'd just quote it. I'm just like, God, I thank you so much that you command your angels concerning me to guard me in all my ways. I thank you that they are lifting me up so I will not strike my foot against a stone. God, I thank you so much that no disaster will come near my tent. And I would just begin speaking the truth of God's protection from his word to counteract the fearful thought that the demon was energizing. You guys following me? So then I'd go to bed, and this is how it worked. I'd be laying there in bed, and the same thought would come. That little demon would come again, and he's like, okay, yeah, whatever, Jeff. Yeah, sure, yeah, you're a strong man of God, okay. Then he'd come up to me, and he'd knock on my thought life again. What if somebody's outside? Did you hear that? What if somebody's out there? What if somebody's out there? And sometimes with the demonic thoughts comes energized, fearful emotions many times. And remember, I'd be feeling that, but I'm like, I, I just lay there in faith. I'm like, I refuse to act on that thought. I will not get up. And instead, I'd quote the word, and I'd just start speaking truth. And I'd be like, you know what? Even, you know, David said, I think it's Psalm 34 or 134. He's like, though an army encamp against me, I will not fear, for the Lord is with me, right? And I'm just like, I'm like, if an army of psychotic, demonized people are outside my door with crazy weapons and bloodlust to come and kill me, 
They, I'm going to sleep. They can't get in my doors wide open and the screen door and everything, and I've totally forgot to shut it. It doesn't matter because they have to get through God, the army of angels that protect me, to get to me. I'm going to bed. And I would just refuse to act on the fearful thought. That happened a few times, and then it was over. It wasn't even an issue anymore. I was free. But see, a lot of people, they struggle with stuff like that, and they don't realize that it's not just you having crazy thinking. There's a spirit behind it that's energizing those thoughts that may, even though they're irrational, they feel so real, and so they're easy to believe. You guys with me? And that's how the enemy, he just manipulates us, and he steals from us, and he robs from us. And aren't you glad that Jesus made provision for you to get rid of those demons? And you can help other people get rid of their demons as well. Jesus said this. I want you to see these scriptures. Well, first, number one is through your relationship with Jesus, I have authority and power to get rid of demons. Through my relationship with Jesus, I have authority and power to get rid of demons. Instead of authority, you could write the word permission. It means the same thing. God, how many of you know Jesus? He's the highest authority on the earth. So like what he says goes, okay? That's the way it is. And Jesus looked at his disciples and he said, when Jesus had called the 12 together in Luke 9, he gave them power and authority, permission to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So he's like, I give you permission. Whenever you come across the demon, I give you permission to drive it out. And I give you the power. I will back you up. When you command it to go, I will send, send angelic reinforcement, and I will back you up when you do this because I've given you permission to do it. The devil will be like, ah, oh, what are you doing? You don't have permission. And you're like, yes, I do. <laughs> Jesus gave it to me. Amen? And then Luke chapter 10. Jesus had sent out 72 of his disciples to go do this stuff that I just read. And then it says they returned from their mission trip with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. They're like, it's so cool. It works. Like that authority you gave us and power over demons. Like it was awesome. Like we told them to go. And it was just like when you would tell them to go, they left. This was amazing. And, uh, and then he replied, he says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I love this. Listen to this. Take this to heart. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. I love this. I like this part especially. Nothing will harm you. I'm I'm actually especially grateful (laughs) for that part because sometimes when you're dealing with the demonic, they want to try to act out and get mad and do scary stuff to intimidate you, but it's like, I have a promise. Nothing will harm me. I have authority in Jesus. I'm standing my ground. You must leave. You guys with me? All right. So let me, um, and let me just encourage you. I'm going to give you just some simple, this is like 101 for getting rid of demons. But uh, this is for, first of all, for your personal use. Like for the rest of your life, you're going to have time where demons are going to attack you. You're going to have times when you don't even realize it but you're kind of buying into a, a thought that's inspired by a demon. It can be a, a bitter thought, an accusation against God. Like, God, where were you when? 
Or why did you allow? And sometimes you think it's your thought, but it's actually the devil's thought that he planted in your mind. And he wants you to think it's your thought because if you know it's him, you can easily defeat it. You guys with me? And then it's an accusation against God, an accusation against yourself. I'm just a bad person. Oh, I'm just an addict. I'm just a slave to whatever this sin is. And it's like, no, that's not your thought. That's the devil's thought. You guys with me? So it's to help yourself, and the Holy Spirit will show you, boom, you're agreeing with the demon, and then now you'll know how to get rid of them. So I'm going to give you some tools to do that. But it's also not just for your personal use. You're going to run into people, especially when you, when you start seeing this happen. All of a sudden, your eyes will be open, and somebody will be talking, and, and you're like, oh, my goodness, this, this is a demon messing with this person. And now you'll have the tools to be able to help them get free. You guys with me? So here we go. Number two, our tools for getting rid of demons are the blood of Jesus, our faith in Jesus' victory on the cross, and the name of Jesus. I'm going to explain why all three of those are essential. So here's the deal. How many of you know demons are way more bigger and way more powerful than you are? I mean, without Christ, just you and you against them, you're going down. That's I'm just saying (laughs) like you against them. They are taking you down every single time. Okay. One of the, the I'd say Satan's number one weapon that he uses against us is accusation. It's the number one thing. He's called the accuser of the brethren. The number one weapon that Satan uses is accusation. And, and you know why it works so well? It's because a lot of his accusations are right. Like, he'll, tell, he'll, he'll come up to you and he says, no, you deserve that because you sinned here and you did this and you did this and you did this. And it's like, dang, man, he knows. <laughs> like, I did do that. I am guilty. Are you with me? That's why the, the most important piece of this whole thing is the blood of Jesus. Because what the blood of Jesus is, is we come to Jesus, we confess our sins. We don't hide them. We don't act like we're all right. We just say, no, you're right, Lord. I'm guilty. Forgive me. And then he washes us clean by his blood and declares us innocent. So then when the devil comes and brings up what we did, he's like, no, 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 no. You can't be free. You can't be blessed. You can't be like that person over there. You want to grow up. Man, who do you think you are? You grew up in a broken home and a broken family. Like you have a broken past and you look at the family on the other side of the church and like, man, they have such a great family. I'd love to someday get married and have a godly family like that. And the devil's like, you can't be that. Look at who you are. Look at your past. And you could say blood of Jesus, blood of Jesus. The old is gone. The new has come. And the truth is about that person, they have stuff in their closet too from their past, but they're blessed because of the blood of Jesus. So you could stand your ground and say, no, you know what? I'm not, I'm not telling you to leave devil because I'm awesome. I'm not telling you to leave because I deserve freedom. Truth is we deserve hell forever. I'm telling you to leave because Jesus has washed me and given me a gift I don't deserve called freedom and authority to get you out of my life. So that from now on, instead of serving you, I can serve him and bring him glory and fulfill the purpose I was created for. So the blood of Jesus is huge. But the second part is also really important. It's our faith. Our faith in the victory that Jesus won for us on the cross. Here's why. 
Because if you don't believe it, you won't act on the truth and the devil can keep you bound. I could put, if I, if I was a multi-billionaire and I just put a million dollars in a bank account and then came up to Josh and said, Josh, I, I opened this account in your name and I deposited a million dollars in it. Just go down to the bank and uh, this certain bank and give them this card and you can make withdrawals anytime you want. Now, I could have really made that transaction on his behalf, but if he doesn't actually believe me, so he's like, gosh, you know, it's snowing outside. I mean, I can go all the way down to the bank. I mean, yeah, okay, thanks. You just gave me a million dollars. Nobody gives somebody a million dollars. Like, come on, that's crazy. Maybe a hundred, but a million. Like, he doesn't even know me. Why, why would he give me, you know, whatever it is. Um, and he's just like, eh, and he doesn't do it. You know what? That, 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 all that resource is going to sit there and be of no value to him. Because you have to believe and then act on it. And that's when you start seeing the benefits of it happen in your life. Does that make sense? So the blood of Jesus is the key. Without that, you know, the devil could come and we say, I rebuke you, devil, and he's going to laugh. <laughs> That's it. You know what I mean? It's like no contest. But because of the blood of Jesus, he can't just do whatever he wants to us. He can only do what we allow him to get away with in our lives. And the third key that, that I have in there is uh, it's the name of Jesus. Why is the name of Jesus important? Um, because we act, when, when we're rebuking the devil, we're not acting in our own authority. We're acting in Jesus' authority. Does that make sense? So let me, let me so if, if on my own I just say, devil, I command you to leave. He's like, who are you? Make me. <laughs> like, who are you? But when I say, in Jesus' name, I command you to leave, what that means is Jesus told me to tell you to leave. Totally different game. I'll illustrate it to you like this. When Malachi was so cute, he was the cutest little boy. I'm going to embarrass him. With these awesome cheeks. Like, for, and he held them for years, but he, they're gone now. He's just like a handsome, studly man now. Like his dad, just saying. It's true. Amen. <laughs> um, but he was so cute. He was probably like, I don't know, three or four years old. And we had this abnormally large golden retriever. And I had trained our golden retriever. He's amazing. His name was Obi. And... Um, and I had trained him to come when I call him, but also by hand signals. So I could look at Obi, if he could see me across a room, and I didn't have to say a word, I'd just go do this. And he would, he'd come right to my feet, like he knew what to do. So I had him trained both ways. And I remember, he, he was so well-trained, he did really, really good. And I remember one day, Malachi was just like, he's, he was just wanting to test his authority, I guess. Which I love, it was so cute. And he looks at, Obi's about like 15 feet away. And Malachi looks at Obi, and in his big boy voice, he goes, Obi, come. And Obi just sits there and looks at him like, what? Obi, come. 
And he does it several times, and Obi's not moving. Obi's just looking like, why should I come to you? You're like, you can't do anything to me. And, um, and Obi's just looking at him. And so I, Malachi didn't know I was doing this, but I quietly just stood behind him. So he's here, Obi's over there. And he's like, Obi, come. And without saying a word, I just go. And then Obi whoosh, comes right to Malachi's feet. Malachi didn't even know. Of course, now he knows. <laughs> didn't even know I did that. But listen, that is an excellent picture of what happens when Jesus gives you authority and permission. And the reason we, we, we command the devil to leave in Jesus' name. Because when you say, devil, leave, Jesus is standing behind you going, I want to talk to you about common ways. I, I'm, we're going to talk in just a few minutes about how to get demons out. That's the point. But it's helpful to know how demons get in. <laughs> because what happens is most of the time, demons get in because we let them in. We open doors and invite them, and we don't even, most of the time, we don't even realize we're doing it. Sometimes people are doing things, you know, the witchcraft stuff, and they know what they're doing, and they're doing it on purpose. The majority of the time, most, you can go anywhere, any household in the city right now, and I promise you, they've opened doors, and demons are messing with their family and messing with their life in some way because they've opened a door, and they don't even realize they've done it. And so I want to talk about how they get in, so then we're going to talk about how to get them out. Does that sound good? So there's uh, the primary ways that demons get access to our lives is through sin. It's through sin. So it could be our sin, like a sin that we've committed, or it might be a sin that somebody else did, like to us. You know, like uh, I'll just... Um, you know, sometimes if a, a parent, a, if a parent is secretly looking at pornography and what they're doing in their household is they're opening up a door to demonic spirits of, in, that energize sexual perversion and immorality and unfaithfulness. And a parent, they'll open that door and they open it over the whole family because God has given authority to parents to bless their families. But you know what happens? We saw this with Adam and Eve, Right? Great response. With great privilege comes great power, comes great responsibility. Does that make sense? So we can use that authority to shut doors to protect our and cover our kids. But if we start dabbling in sin, we actually invite those spirits into our home. And all of a sudden, our seven year old is being tempted with sexual thoughts. And, and they're, they're not even, the average seven year old, they're not even thinking about that kind of thing yet. You guys with me? But it's like all of a sudden, it's like because somebody else opened a door that had authority in their house. We have a great responsibility as leaders, whether we are a parent, a teacher, um, pastors, you know, whatever we do, we, have, there's, we, have, we want to manage that authority well to cover and protect people. Amen. So uh, the primary way that demons get access to our lives is through sin. And uh, I want to identify five of the most common sins that demons use to access our lives, okay? These are the most common ones. I mean, just as I've ministered to other people to get liberated from sin, and, and a lot of times, I'll tell you this, you're struggling with a certain sin. A lot of times, there's a demon behind it that's energizing that sin. 
And, and if you just try to do the self-discipline route only, I'm not going to look at pornography. I'm not going to look. I'm not going to think bad thoughts. I'm not going to think bad thoughts. If you just deal with it on that level, uh, you know, you need to go to the source of it and say, I, I rebuke this spirit from bringing this thought into my mind. And I command it to leave. This isn't your house. My mind is the Lord's. You don't have permission to be here. So here's the five most common ones. Number one, unforgiveness. Autumn preached on this last week, so I don't have to really talk about it too much. But it's when we refuse to forgive somebody who's sinned against us or done us wrong, we actually open the door for demons to torment us. Autumn preached on that last week, so I don't have to go into it long. But guys, I'd say this is, I put this up at number one for a reason. (laughs) This might be the most common uh, I don't know. It's debatable, but this is a big one. This happens regularly. I remember one time um, I, th- I was in the library just right across the street. This is years ago, and I was just in there for something, and I saw this old man, and he's sitting off by himself, and I just was like, you know, I'm going to go pray for this guy and share Jesus with him. So I go up, and he, I'd never met him before. I'm a stranger to this guy, and I go up, and I introduce myself. Hey, you know, how are you doing? Can I pray for you? You know what? Like, to a complete stranger, the first thing that erupts out of him is just, he just goes on and on telling about how much he hates his father. He's an old man. His father died a long time ago. He's like, my dad did this to me and this to me and this. And I I just thought, like, dude, you're not hurting your dad. (laughs) Like, you're the, and and he actually said this. He says, I actually have dreams about the stuff that my dad did to me. And he's literally, demons are tormenting him in his sleep with the memories of what his dad did to him because he hasn't forgiven. And what it is, is he'll forgive her. If he will forgive his dad, he will shut off. The blood of Jesus will cover the sin. He will shut the door and he won't be tormented anymore by the enemy. It's not that you forget what happened to you, but there's no torment attached to the memory. Does that make sense? Anyway, that's another subject. But number two, another, this is a huge one, immorality, sexual immorality. And sexual immorality, and let me just say this. God, sex is good. Sex is awesome. God invented it to be a blessing to people, okay? God designed sex to happen between a husband and his wife in the context of the marriage covenant that they've made with one another. And within that context, it's blessed. I mean, it, God brings so much good fruit out of, out of that in the marriage context. But it's sexual immorality is when we engage in any type of sexual activity outside of, that, of those boundaries. Does that make sense? So it can be adultery, masturbation, pornography, or lusting, because Jesus said if you look at a woman and lust after her in your heart, it's the same as committing adultery. Um, Any sexual act outside the marriage union. Uh, Homosexuality um, is defined by God. Uh, Sexual fantasy, where just in your mind, you're just imagining sexual things and and letting your imagination run. Like, all that is sexual immorality. And listen, that is a major gateway that the enemy uses to get access into our lives so that he can steal, kill, and destroy, not only from us, but from our families. Do you know how many marriages have been destroyed by sexual immorality? Do you know how many, how many children are 
are, are still bitter toward one of their parents because they were unfaithful to their, their other parent. And now that kid is tormented by demons as well because of the bitterness, but the door was open through adultery. You guys with me? Um, I mean, it's just, it's a very common one. This is one for sure that has been, the, the Satan came into my life um, through this one. And I, I won't go into that whole story, but I preached on it other times. But, um, but praise God, I'm free. <laughs> and I've been free for a long time. And so there's hope for anybody. It doesn't matter like which one of these you've been involved in. You can be completely free. Uh, through Christ, and that's why we're doing this. The, the third uh, oh, most common sin is, I, I call it curses. Um, this can be like witchcraft curses, um, it, or it can be word curses that are spoken by ourselves or others over us. You know, a lot of times, authority figures, they have authority from God to bless us and to build us up and to call us into our identity. But when they get under the influence of the enemy and they start speaking from that position, they speak powerful words that wound us. Um. Curses can result from our own sin as well. You know how many? You know you read Deuteronomy twenty-eight. When we God told His people, He's like, guys, if you will obey Me, all these blessings will come upon you. He says, but if you disobey Me, all these curses will come upon you. Like there's actually curses that people live under because of their own sin that they've not repented of. Like that's real. That really is real. Uh, There are people who are dishonest in their financial dealings. And it's like no matter what they do, they're, they're, they, it's like they can never get their head. They're always in debt. It's like no matter what they do, they can never get their head above water financially. It's like what's going on? It's a lot of times, you know, because you're living in sin and dishonesty in this arena of your life. You've opened up a door to the enemy, and you're under a curse in this area of your life. But here's the good news. If you'll repent of that sin and get it right, God will forgive you, and the curse will flip over into a blessing. Okay? And so anyway, curses are real. Um, also, uh, curses can be lies that we believe. I'll get into that in the next one. I'm going to talk about number four. I call it deception. The fourth most common sin that enemies get access to our lives is deception. So these, this can do with, these are lies, right? Lies that we believe. That's the problem. So it doesn't, um, (laughs) the devil could come to me and tell me a lie. And, and if I'm just like, um, if I know that it's a lie, I'm like, dude, that's stupid. It has no effect on me. Um, so I, you know, some, um, just, I just want to say this real quick about the power of words. Because the power of our words is real, but uh, nobody can hurt me with their words unless I believe and agree with what they're saying, Right? I mean, Jesus is hanging on a cross, and they're cursing him and mocking him as he's on the cross. How many of you know that didn't mess up God's plan for his life? Because he he knew it wasn't real, and he didn't agree with it. Does that make sense? So somebody can come up to you and say, you're stupid, you're dumb, but if you know, like, I'm beautiful, God made me 
smart and I have gifts and I have talents. And, you know, if, if you just don't believe, if you can recognize a lie and not believe it and agree with the truth, it will just, it'd be like water off a duck's back. It will have zero effect on you whatsoever. That's good. You know, sometimes, you know, I, I don't, um, you know, people come up and they'll say really dumb things to me. But I don't feel like I have to always correct them every time. Like, I rebuke you. I don't receive that. You know, I just, I, I do that in my heart. Does that make sense? Because I'm like, they don't have that much power and authority over me unless I agree with the lie that the enemy's trying to get me to buy into. Anyway, so uh, lies that we believe, about, these can be lies we believe about God, lies we believe about ourselves and our own identity. This is so huge. You know why? Uh, I just want to say this. Um, a lot of young people today uh, and old people, <laughs> But, I, but I'm thinking of young people in particular. My heart breaks because so many of them, because what's happened is authorities in their lives have sold them a lie that homosexuality is okay when God says it's wrong. How many of you know God loves us and he's good? And if he says something's not good for us, we should trust him. <laughs> Does that make sense? But the enemy wants to lie to us and say, no, it's good. How do you know if you're gay or not? You should experiment and find out what you really are or heterosexual. I mean, that's the lie of the enemy. And children, a lot of times, they're just children, right? They just believe what they're hearing. They don't have wisdom and discernment yet, usually. But because, like, authority figures in our nation have actually been perpetuating and promoting this lie, there's a whole lot of broken, I mean, seriously in pain, emotional turmoil, young people, in Huron, in our high schools, in our middle schools, who are like, uh, I, I'm, I, I think a girl who says, I, I think I'm a boy. I might be a boy. And you know, that, that should never, they should never even have that thought. Because it's a no-brainer. that you know, The authority figures, the parent, the teachers, I mean, just science. They're like, no, like, you're, you're a boy. I promise you. Like, you really are a boy. And then, but they're having to fight spiritual battles. They don't even know what it is. And they're being taken out. So many of them are so broken because they're confused about their identity. Their God-given identity. You know what they need to know? God made you a beautiful young woman. God made you a wonderful, strong, handsome man. And by walking in this God-given identity, you're going to display his glory. That's what they need to hear. Not like, well, maybe you're something else. What do you feel like today? And there's a lot of people like, well, I think I'm gay. And I just love to tell them, I like, I love you so much. I believe you when you say that you think that. But I just want to encourage you, you're not. You're not. You're, you, you just, I know it feels real. And I believe you that you feel attraction to the same sex. But that's because there's a demonic spirit that's energizing those immoral thoughts and if we, but as, as long as you agree and you think it's who you are, who God made you to be, you'll never resist the devil. You'll just keep submitting to him and go along and let him wreak havoc in your life. But when you realize that's not who I am, and even you still have those desires stirring, but you just, you repent of the wrong thought and you buy into the truth. Does that make sense? You say, God, I thank you that you made me a heterosexual. 
And I command that demonic spirit that's energizing homosexual desires to leave me right now in the name of Jesus. I resist you. And you know what? You walk in your new identity. That's what we all have to do depending on what, no matter what the issue is. We gotta renounce the lie, believe the truth from God's word and then walk in faith and obedience to our true identity. Is this making sense? Okay, and I'm applying it in this arena because it's an arena, it's a big thing, but you can apply it in many, many other ways. Deception is one of the main ways that Satan gets us to open up doors for him to torment our lives and destroy God's plan for us. Um, I, I think of this. Um, these can be lies we believe about God, lies we believe about ourselves, or lies we believe about other people. I, I just want to show this to you. How many of you have read the story in the Old Testament with Saul, King Saul, and David? Raise your hand if you've read that story. Okay. So what happens is this, is Saul, like I was reading it just recently, and Saul was psychotic, like because he had disobeyed the Lord, because he wasn't living for God's glory, he was living for his own glory. And so he would disobey God, and so God's like, you know what? I'm anointing another king. He anointed David, and David was his, like one of his most loyal servants. David was so loyal to Saul, but a, a tormenting spirit would come upon Saul, and it would energize this thought, David is trying to kill me and take the kingdom from me. Even though, if you could have thought this through rationally, there was never even the slightest evidence that David had even that thought in his mind or done anything to that. And on the contrary, there was tons of evidence that showed David was sacrificially loyal to Saul in spite of Saul's mistreatment of him. But but Saul was convinced, no, I believe David's trying to kill me. And he would even say to his men, he's like, or don't you any of you care that David is trying to kill me? And he used that, listen, that lie, why is that a big deal? It wasn't just that he was in torment, it caused him to, it, it pushed him to certain actions. Like because he thought David's trying to kill me, he's like, I better kill him first. And so he hunted David down to kill him. And then he came across like this family of priests. I mean, they were priests who ministered to the Lord, who were loyal to Saul. But then he believed another lie. You guys are loyal to David and you're conspiring with David to work against me. And so he murdered 85 innocent people because he was driven by this lie. They're against me. They're trying to hurt me and to kill me. And so he's like, I got to kill them first. You guys see how this works? And so lies, deception is a major gateway. So th- here's the good news. Is it, getting free is as easy as identifying the lie breaking agreement with it, identifying what the real truth is and agreeing with that. Amen? Are you guys still with me or have I lost you? I promise you I'm wrapping up. The last one, uh, (laughs) I got to talk about this one. The occult is the last one. Number five is the occult. And I would include, I'm not going to explain it now, but I would include under the occult um, drug use as well, uh, like illicit drug use. It, we're, we're intentionally, we, we put our, I would say even alcoholism to the point when you're, you know, drunkenness, because what we're doing is we're yielding our self-control. 
where we lose control. And you hear people all the time that do crazy stuff. And it's like, I don't even remember doing that because they were under the influence of alcohol or under the influence of drugs. What they did, though, is when they, God gave you your self-control, it's actually a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And when you surrender that, you just make yourself available, the enemy will take advantage of that. And it'll get you to do stuff that'll hurt you and hurt other people. And you're like, gosh, I, I don't even remember doing that. Okay, so don't use drugs. <laughs> don't get drunk. Um, obviously, occult stuff um, you know, has to do with witchcraft. But I want, I'm going to just throw some things out there that are, to- like the occult is all over our culture. And people engage in it and don't even know they're doing it. So I'm just going to, I'm not going to have, I don't have the time here to go into detail explaining all this, but I'm just going to throw things out there just to give you a heads up. Are you, are you ready? Okay, horoscopes. Horoscopes is, it's, uh, it's, it's participating in the occult. You open yourself to demonic spirits. Ouija boards, playing with Ouija boards. I was like, no, it's just a game. No, you're, I don't have time to explain it. <laughs> you're consulting spirits. That's what you're doing. You know, it's, it's, it's real. It, it's actually witchcraft. And you think you're just playing. I'm not really serious about it. Devil doesn't care. He's like, no, thank you. You open the door. I'm taking it. You know, he's, he's not a kind thief. He doesn't play by rules. You open a door, he'll take it. I'm going to say this too. There's all kinds of books and movies and television shows that are super popular in the culture. I think of the Twilight series. I think of Harry Potter books, okay, that, that are literally, like you read the books, it is the whole thing is about witchcraft, vampires. You guys with me? Like, what do you think that is? Like, that's a real thing. That's the occult. And we, we're thinking, oh, no, it's just, an, it's just a really well-written story. It's like the author is so gifted. They're a good writer. They may be. but it doesn't mean that I want what they're trying to impart into my soul. Does that make sense? And so it's like we need to be discerning. And there's movies. There's movies that people watch that have pornography in them, the Twilight series, et cetera. I I would say this, like um, horror movies. Horror movies? If you don't want to struggle with with temptation, with murderous and suicidal thoughts, you shouldn't watch horror movies because the whole thing is, is like the celebration of murder. It's absolutely charged by demons. And if you watch those, I promise you, you're going to have demons that you're dist- tormented with. And you can be like, why do I keep having these horrible thoughts and these terrible dreams? And it's like, well, you got to shut the door. You know what I mean? you got to repent. Receive forgiveness, the blood of Jesus wash you clean, then shut the door, renounce the demon, and then you're free. Does that make sense? Um, I could go on, but I want to say this here because this is, I do this every year. And this is, you know why I do this? This is my Halloween exhortation. And I, the reason I do this is because I love you and I have a responsibility that as, a, as a, Autumn and I do as, as shepherds in this church to if we if we see things that people are being tempted in mass to do that are opening doors for them demons to torment their life it's our and we know it and you don't know it it's our job to warn you right and so i I just want to share this with you and i'll just preface it with this statement the bible says that there's um 
you shouldn't judge one another in regard to like some celebrate this certain day or, or this holiday or that kind of thing like that. So, but um, I'll just say that. But I do want to give you this. My family and I have never, since Autumn and I have been married, now we did as children, <laughs> but since we've been married, we've never, ever, so we don't celebrate Halloween. And, and I'm just going to tell you why. And I want, I want you to just hear me out, and then I want you to take it and think it through before the Lord with the Bible, and then make a decision for yourself and for your own family. Okay? But I want to give you the reasons why we don't participate in Halloween. What Halloween, the whole entire holiday, is centered around fear. Like the whole point is to see how scared you can get. Isn't it fun? Let's just all go get freaked out. Let's go to a haunted house. So what are the major symbols of Halloween? Witches. Skulls. Skeletons. White death. That's death. Spiders. This is representing witchcraft. Like these are all ghosts. What, what are ghosts? Ghosts are spirits. They're not the Holy Spirit, though, I promise you. Are you guys with me? Like the entire holiday is about the celebration of the demonic and of death. And so, you know, the Bible says, what fellowship does light have with darkness? And so my wife and I, we just made the decision. We're like, you know what? Like, I don't want demons in my life. I want the Holy Spirit. I like candy. If I want candy, I'll just go to the store. And I'll buy some candy and give it to my children. And we'll sit down, enjoying the Holy Spirit, having sweet dreams that night, having candy together. But I'm not going to get the demons with it. Does that make sense? It's like, well, I like to, they like to dress up in costumes. It's like, you know, okay, well, you know, buy them the superhero costume. Let them be Captain America and play in the house and they can play swords together. But they don't need to go door to door and like participate in the whole thing. You guys with me? And so I, we just made this decision. We're like, I am not going to, because children don't know. They're three years old. They just think, candy, <laughs> candy, right? That's all they think. And, and so, um, and so they don't know, though, as a parent, I don't want to be, like, opening doors for my children to be afflicted with stuff when I know better. Does that make sense? That's why God gives authorities and parents. So I want to really encourage you. Um, I know what the major stuff people love to do on Halloween, what? Watch horror flicks. <laughs> Go to haunted houses. Do you know that houses, it's a literal thing. There are houses that are haunted because demonic spirits live there because they've been invited there by somebody who's lived there before. Cool thing is if you move into that house and buy it, there's a new owner, you can kick it off your property. <laughs> but I'm saying, but I'm, what I'm saying is like the whole thing around holiday, uh, around Halloween is centered around the demonic and witchcraft. And I'll just say this too, I'll throw this out there. The satanic, those who are actual Satan worshipers, there's like one of the things that they do to, because they want to invite demonic spirits into their life because they're deceived by the devil. <laughs> and they, because they, they want power for selfish reasons. What they don't realize though is they think they're becoming powerful, but they're actually just enslaving themselves, is what they're doing. 
But they, one of the things they do is they like to make sacrifices. They do all kinds of, like, literal blood sacrifices. I won't go into details. You've got children here, but they're real, and they really do happen. And they have certain days of the year that are like their highest, most unified days where they like to offer sacrifices to open up the doors to invite demons into their life and into society. And do you know the number one day of the year, holiday of the year for them is Halloween, October 31st. And so I'm like, that's darkness. I'm not. I'm light. What fellowship does light have with darkness? And, you know, I'll tell you this. It's like, oh, my kids, though, they're going to be so mad at me because they love the candy. You know what? That our kids weren't mad at us. Like, they really weren't. And I've known other families who have like, gosh, you know, that makes sense. I'm not doing that anymore. And they just stopped. And at first, your kid's like, what? Why don't we get to do this? And everything. But then actually, after a while, they're actually completely okay. Like, it doesn't hurt them at all. If they really love the candy, go bless them. Go buy them a bag of candy. Get them a Captain America suit. You know. Watch VeggieTales, eat candy, and let them play swords. And they'll have a fun evening. Does that make sense? So I want to throw that out there. This is because Halloween's coming up in a week, a little less than a week. And um, anyway, I just want you to protect yourself and your loved ones. So take that for what it's worth. There's some believers who say, you know, I feel fine. I just won't dress up in any costumes that are like, you know, I'm not going to dress as... The devil with a cute, my little cute little four year old with a pitchfork, and I'm like, ah! <laughs> I'm like, why? Who wants to see that on their child? You know, because that's it's not a game. You know what I mean? I'm not going to dress them up as a ghost or a witch or a whatever. You know what I'm saying? But they'll say, I'll just dress them up as Captain America and let them go get some candy. And I feel fine with that before the Lord. And, and I just say, you know, you work it out, your own salvation with fear and trembling. That's between you and Jesus. You know what I mean? Some, they talk to, you know, they, they talk to the Lord about it and they feel liberty to do that. Okay. Yeah, that, that's between you and the Lord, you know. Others, like myself and, and my wife, we don't feel liberty to do that. We're just like, no, yeah, we're not, not even a hint. Like, we're just going to draw a firm line. We're not, we don't need the devil's stuff. We have everything we need from Jesus. Amen? All right, so those are the five main ways demons get in. Now, I'll just do this quickly. Let's talk about how to get demons out, because, gosh. How to get demons out. Let's talk about how to get them out. <laughs> these are the, uh, these, I learned this like probably 20 years ago. My wife and I went through a course and we were getting some stuff out of our life. And, uh, and the truth is, uh, I learned these, this, these three R's. And I'm like, that's so simple. And I can remember that. And it's easy and it works really well. Here's how to get demons out of your life the three R's. Ready? Number one, repent. That's the number one thing. By the way, demons not leaving unless you repent. The devil's not a fool. You know what I'm saying? Like if you're like, oh, I hate these demonic nightmares. I'm being tormented. I hate the suicidal thoughts, but, you know, but I really like that demonic video game that I'm addicted to that's opening the door. 
We literally, one time we ministered to a person, there were demons in their life talking to us through the person. And the way the demons got in was through this video game that they were addicted to. This is just like witchcraft, occulty, bad video game. But the person loved the video game so much, they didn't want to get rid of it. So they got to keep the demon too. Without repentance, there's no freedom. Okay? So you could be like, I hate the suicidal thoughts. Just give me relief from the suicidal thoughts. No, no, I don't want to give up watching this show. No, I don't want to give up the horror movies. And it's like, well, the devil's like, hey, as long as you keep opening the door, I'll keep coming in. So you've got to repent, amen? Repent from the sin that we did or repent from the lie we believe. I mean, I refuse to believe that lie. And then number two, renounce. So you repent of the sin, the blood of Jesus cleanses you, and then you renounce the spirit that's behind that sin or behind the lie that's energizing it and command it to leave in whose name? Yeah, good job, guys. You're listening. Renounce the spirit and command it to leave in Jesus' name. And then the, three, the third R, receive from the Holy Spirit. You receive forgiveness, receive healing, receive deliverance. You receive it, though, by faith. Does that make sense? That's the key. You have to receive your deliverance by faith. Whether you feel it immediately or not, you receive it by faith. I told you about my fear, demon, <laughs> at the beginning of this thing, right? You remember that? And I was like, no, by faith, I'm protected by the Lord. But the feelings didn't go away instantly. I was still lying in bed, and the thing came to me and energized the same exact fearful thoughts. But I said, no, by faith, I am protected from the Lord. I refuse to agree with you anymore. Does that make sense? So we received the breakthrough by faith. And I walked that out for a few days, and then it was gone. It was like, okay, the demon just knew. He's like, okay, he's serious. This trick isn't working anymore. We're going to have to find something different. So you, it's important that we walk out the truth instead of the lie. And I just want to give you this, and then we're going to pray together and get rid of some demons. Sound good? Um, this is important. In the aftermath of your freedom, of your deliverance, um, you, you have to continually feed your mind and your spirit on truth by practicing the five habits of a fruitful life, which are, I'll remind you, by reading your Bible regularly, right? By, by praying, worshiping, by obeying God, by um, having consistent godly fellowship with other believers, and by ministering to other people using gifts of the Holy Spirit. Like these are the five ways that we feed ourselves, our spirit, and we feed our minds on truth, and we walk in the flow of the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? Because as we feed ourselves and we keep ourselves full, it just, the enemy has no room to get access to us anymore. And I want to just say this. Um, this isn't like something, deliverance and getting rid of demons, it's not something that you come to Jesus, you get rid of your, your boatload that you've built up over the years, all 15 leave, and it's like I never have to do this again because, you know, we walk through life and the devil tries to attack us. Even when we're serving the Lord, he, tries, he, he stirs up somebody to hurt us and then energizes a bitter thought so that we won't forgive. 
And so we have, to, we have to stay on top of this. So there's times, even as believers, that we realize, oh, crud, I've opened a door, right? I didn't even mean to do it. But that when you, the Holy Spirit, he's our helper. He sanctifies us. So when we see it, it's God helping us. He's saying, hey, just want to let you know, you, this, is, this door is open over here. That's why you're struggling with this. It's like, oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Now I know what to do. R, 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 repent. I close the door. I renounce it and I receive grace. I've done this over and over and over again throughout my life with the Lord. And it's just, you know, we got to keep ourselves in the love of God. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Five State Revival Podcast. I encourage you to subscribe to the podcast, whether you're listening to it on iTunes or Spotify or you know whatever avenue you choose to listen to the podcast on. I encourage you to subscribe to it and then uh, share it with other people and uh, get the help us get the word out there and uh, people that you think it would be a blessing to. Um, you're welcome to share it with others. That would be awesome. So I look forward to connecting with you again on the next episode. God bless you.